That's what I said in my house. Somebody said amen to the video. I was in my house and I was watching this video probably 10 or 12 times before I put it in the worship flow. And it's amazing to me, it's that we have these struggles and we have all this stuff and sometimes we think it's very, 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 very hard to get through life, yet God tells us, He reminds us, and He reminds us in His Word, He's going to remind us in the Word again today. Matt, He calls me by name, calls you by name, He says, I've never left you. The stuff that you have going on in your life, the battles that you have going on in your life right now, I've never left you. I look at them with you, I help you through them, and I'm bigger than they are. I think my favorite analogy of how big God is, is off of VeggieTales, and God is bigger than the boogeyman. Sometimes those boogeymans in, in our life, they seem pretty real, don't they? See, that, that video, if you were in here and you were paying attention, the video said, some of you are going through a battle right now. And in a crowd this big, in this many group of people in one place, there, there's battles going on, there's things that are hurting, there's people that are hurting, there's, there's relationships that are broken, that need mended, and God is here today to, to tell you through an Old Testament story that He is bigger than your stuff, there is a way out, and the battle actually is already won. If you don't think the battle's already won, read the end of the book. We win. God's already won. He's bigger than your stuff, but so often it's easy for us to do what we talk about a lot here. It's easy to focus on our negatives. It's easy to focus on the things that go wrong. If you took a great big piece of white poster board, some of you are going to get sick and tired of hearing this story, but you have to understand that focusing on the negative is a natural human reaction. If you had a big piece of poster board and you put a black circle in the middle of it, and I held it up and I said, what do you see? Probably 90% of you, if you didn't already know this joke, you would say, I see a black dot. You don't see the 99% of good white paper around it. See, it's easy to concentrate on the negative. The battle is going on. The battle is being played out in some of our lives every day. Now, Jack mentioned not having a good week. I'm sure that some of us can jump on that bus. Hey, I didn't have the greatest of weeks. Yeah, me too, me too. Listen. God never says, never says that being a follower of His, doing what He wants us to do is going to be a cakewalk. In, that, in actuality, He tells His disciples, you guys are probably going to die. It's going to cost you everything you have. It's going to cost your life. It's going to cost your family. It's going to cause you to sacrifice your time, your efforts. You're not going to have all the privileges and all the want-tos in life. And that's really hard for us to look at because we want that thing. We want this thing. God offers His freedom. And as we celebrate on this joyous weekend, as we remember the freedom that was given to us by the people that served our country and are serving our country, so we can live in the greatest nation in the world. See, there's countries that would, that would literally fight you to be sitting where you are right now because it's not legal where they are. But we have people, as we remember them today, that have gone on before us that served our country. And we want to say thank you today. 
If you're in here earlier, I challenge you to get in here earlier. Josh puts up a playlist before, about 30 minutes, I think it believes it starts at 9.30, and he puts up some videos and their songs the first 30 minutes before we have church. And this morning, if you didn't get here early, you missed out, because I'll tell you the first group that played. You ready? Credence Clearwater Revival. You missed out. If you like CCR, you missed out. As we remember what God has done, as we remember what the people in our country that have given their life have served our country, as we remember that today, we celebrate that God is who He is. In a minute, we're going to remember back. We're going to have a Memorial Day service in the Bible. We're going to remember back to the Old Testament, way, way back. And how God impacts people's lives that could be utterly just given up on. I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And there are some people that are walking around Mount Vernon and the, and the surrounding area every day that have this same battle going on. So at Connection, it's the fourth Sunday. This is how we combat that issue. We seek... Now, if you're not a member of Connection, this is not for you, okay? The fourth Sunday, we, we, we take up an offering, and we take it up in little paper popcorn bags, and this is not for you. We're just going to ask you to just watch Connection people do what, we, what they do. And we're asking for dimes and nickels and things like that, okay? But on the fourth week of every, of every month, we take the bags of offering and they go count it and they divide it up. If there's more than some, a certain amount of money, they come up here and they bring it to me. And then I give it to you and we go impact. So far we've given away over $12,000. <laughs> Ask for nickels and dimes. God just takes that and does this with it. So if those people that were going to take that offering would go ahead and do that, I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and speak, and I know that it's really hard to pay attention, but just try, okay? If you have your Bibles with you, you can look on the screen if you want to in a little bit, but if you have your Bibles, I'm going to tell you about to try to find a book that's in the Old Testament. It's called Ruth. It's right after Judges, right before 1 Samuel. If you don't know where it is, the people at Zondervan are really good, and they put in this thing called the Table of Contents, and you can look in the middle, or in the beginning of your Bible, and find out exactly what page that Ruth is on. In my Bible, it's 219. If you turn to 219 and you don't have a Bible like mine, it's probably not going to match. But as they continue to take that offering, I want, I want you to listen. You have chosen to walk into two doors right here, walk into this building, sit down in an, in an atmosphere that could potentially change your life. Wow, Matt, you're such a good preacher. I'm not talking about me. I tell you all the time, you can go online, you can go to some other churches, you can find a preacher that's better than me. But I'm going to tell you right now, because I've lived it, when you preach, when anyone speaks out of this thing, the living, breathing, true Word of God, it will change your life. It's transformational. There are some people in this room right now, some people in here right now are looking for hope today. They're looking for hope and they think, there is no hope, I quit, I'm done. And I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. There are people in this room sitting with you, maybe beside you, that have been the same place where you've been. And this transformational Word of God has changed their life. You ask them, say, are you the same person that you were three weeks ago? They would say, no. If you ask them, are you the same person as you were three years ago? They would say no. 
Yeah, we slip. Yeah, we fall down. But God seeks to have a relationship with us. And when he has a relationship with us and we get into that relationship, we are changed people. We're not the same. In fact, the Bible says that we should be different. But you're part of our family this morning. We want to say welcome. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Connection. Some of you may have never visited our church before, but when you come in, you see the screens. You go out in the lobby, you see screens. Listen, it's media, everything. If you don't think it is, come, to, come with me to work on Tuesday. I'll take you to a local high school, and I can show you how media-driven students are. This is what they do in the hallway. Ready? And they sit in class and do this. And then they go to your house, and they sit down and eat supper, and they do this. Right? Media-driven. We're a church that seeks to connect with 18 to 49 and older people in this area, and we are seeking to do things that match up how we can be relevant, how we can be culturally relevant with these people and meet them on, a, on their plane while taking the gospel and putting it into ways that they understand. If you are fluent in technology, and some of you are like, no. If you are, you can follow you can follow Connection now at Twitter. Okay, on Twitter. It's at ConnectionMTV07. We're on there. We're on Facebook. But I want to tell you something this week, this morning. God has shown His goodness to me this week. I got to wake up for seven days in a row. Some of you are going to get that after lunch. Come on. I got to wake up this morning and I got to eat breakfast and I got to taste food. I got to get into my vehicle this morning when I pushed the key to turn it on. It worked. Yesterday I got to lead a meeting full of people that are learning about how we're going to church our our next church. Not one time did I just tell you about focusing on the real bad stuff that happened this week. I chose to focus on the little things that worked right. You see, see the difference? It's easy to have it completely unbalanced. The title of today's sermon is, Where Do You Go When Things Go Wrong? Where do you go? Now think about it in your own head. Where do you go when things go wrong? I asked some people this week. I surveyed them. This is what they said. I asked people where they go when things go wrong, and they said this. Number one, I just want to be left alone. I want to go in solitude. I don't want to talk to anyone. I want to go to a dark room, and I want to sleep. Number two, I I turn to an addictive behavior. These are real people. I turn to an addictive behavior. Number three, I go to my friends. Number four, I go to my family. When things go wrong, where do you go? Not the number five answer, and I think it is a lot higher than number five. I didn't ask enough people, probably. Where do you go when things go wrong? Social media. Now, I know some of you are in here going, oh, yeah, amen. Mm -hmm." Listen, think before you tweet or post next. Where do you go when things go wrong? They tell their epic story to whoever will listen. Anybody that will come in contact with them, they tell. Oh, this is bad. This has gone wrong. This has gone bad. Listen, 
I have told you before and I will tell you again and I will tell you in the future, it is okay to go to the pity party, but know when to leave. God is a God that's bigger than your stuff. You have to trust Him. I know some of you, oh Matt, that won't work. Listen to me, I want to tell you something. Why don't you try something different? For the last 25 or 30 years, some of you said, I'm going to get out of this myself. How's that working? That's insanity, by the way. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. If you have your worship handout, you can take it and open it the very first, the very first uh, inside cover. You're going to see some, some blanks in here. We're going to be in that today. Maybe on the screen. There we go. All right. People often are upset at God when things go wrong. People blame God immediately. I'm guilty. Something goes wrong and I don't understand it. Easy to blame God. You're around someone, something doesn't go, something doesn't go right, you blame God. Let's look at this worship handout with me. I didn't put any blanks in the first one. I want you to keep this. Some of you, me, I'm probably going to go home and I had this saved on my computer and I printed it off and I cut it out this little square and I probably need to carry it with me in my wallet wherever I go. Read this with me. Or just, you can just look at, look at it as I read it. Where is God when there is a crisis or I am in great pain? Think about that. Where is God? You've been there? Have you asked this question yet? Oh, this hurts. Where's God? It's easy to blame Him. Number two, how can I know that God is there when there is a personal tragedy? Something bad goes wrong. And the first thing out of our mouth is, why do these things happen to good people? Hey, bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. It happens. It's life. Sin happened and it broke all the world. All of it. But we ask, how can I know that God is there? He just left me alone. Number three, how about this one? Will God replace the bitterness I feel? I cannot stand that ex-mate. I can't stand that person. I'm going to call everybody I know, and I'm going to tell everything bad about them that I know. But I want this, I want this bitterness out of my life. Will God replace it? Look at number four. Does God even care that I'm hurting? This is a scary one to ask. Does God even care? If you're a visitor to our church or you are a connectionite, listen to me very, very carefully this morning. I'm going to tell you something that's very, very true. Does God even care that I'm hurting? Over 2,000 years ago, God sent His only Son to come to this earth. And this is, I can't understand it. I don't, I'm not going to understand it, how much love He has for us. But he sent his son to die on a tree. He was beaten. He was smacked. He was spit upon. He was punched. He was mocked. And at the very instant that he wanted to, he could have just just smoked all of them. And he chose not to because he chose to look in the future to Matt Griswold because he loves me that much and he loves you this much too. Into the future to see Matt Griswold and all the stuff that he's going to do. And Jesus was a sinless person. And he took all of my stuff and he poured it out on himself. And he died on a cross for it. If that's not love, I don't know what is, but so often we get stuck in this, does God even care that I'm hurting? Let me tell you something. God doesn't create junk. That means that you're not junk. That means, 
Does God even care that I'm hurting? Oh, it, it, it may not appear that he's there. I'm going to tell you something. We're promised in the Bible. God will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Ever. Ever. Look at your worship handout with me. When situations like this happen, we try and figure out an answer that will help us. Oftentimes, that answer is not found. So we ask ourselves, has God abandoned us? I don't understand why this situation is happening to me. Has God, does God just hate me? Does God just hate me? Now listen, some of you are in a real fight today. Some of you maybe even teetering on the, on the top of the fence. You could choose good or you could choose bad, but here's the deal. God says, I'm never going to leave you, but he also says, my way is not always the easiest. Now, there's a challenge. Has God abandoned us? Absolutely not. He doesn't abandon us. We can find the same situation in, in this story. Say, oh, I'm fighting a battle, Matt. Things aren't easy in my life. How, I, how can I know that God's even there? You know, you don't know, you don't know me, Matt. You don't know the things that go wrong in my life. You don't know how big these stories are in my life. You don't know how this person treats me. You don't know how my mom and dad treated me. You don't know the lack of relationship that I had. You don't know the people that I've lost in my life. Listen, I think we all have our stuff. We do. You're you're sitting in a very real church. We are all broken. You are not sitting in a perfect church. Contrary to popular belief, those don't exist. Because they're filled with people like me. No offense, and you too. Has God abandoned us? No. Now, if you're with me in the scripture, just after Judges, right before 1 Samuel, we're going to look at the book of Ruth. And we're going to read a little bit of scripture today, but it's going to be mostly story. I'm going to stop and see and and check out where we're going. But if you have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Ruth 1.1. Check this out with me. It says, In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came into the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. Okay, here's the deal. There's no food. Family runs into trouble. They left comfort. They left Israel because they didn't have any food. It was a good place. It was considered to be a good place. They moved to Moab. That considered to be not a good place because Moab is across the Dead Sea geographically. It might as well to them without cars. It might as well have been across the world. Do you remember that? Has anybody ever moved away from your best friend when you were little? You know what I mean? You could, you could move from, say, Wayne City to Mount Vernon. It's only 17 miles. But it could, if you don't have a car, that could just be the edges of the earth. Now, I know we have FaceTime and all this social media now, but when I moved from, even from Illinois to Missouri, I thought it might as well be in a different country. I'm never going to see those people. In verse 2, he goes on. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. So they move away to find food. They move away from all of their family. Listen to what I'm saying here. They move away from all of their family, and Elimelech dies. 
Feelings start to creep in. Have you been where Naomi is? Feelings start to creep in. What else is going to... How many time, listen, how many times in the last week, I don't want to know this, how many times in the last week have you said this, asked this question to yourself, what else can go wrong? See, we, we, we focus on the negative so quick, don't we? What else can go wrong? Never mind you put the keys in your vehicle and it started. Never mind you, get, you had the opportunity to wake up and go to work where they give you a check. They give you money to go to work. So Elimelech dies and Naomi is left with her two sons. Feelings creep in. Something very meaningful to her is now gone. She lost a spouse. It's a big deal. It's gone. Why? In Bible times it's even worse because widows. That's when Jesus came in the New Testament. That's why he he hammered on the issue. He says, take care of the widows. They were often just eh, tossed aside. Not important anymore. Your husband's gone. Your husband's on the property. Give it all to your sons. You're not important anymore. Can you imagine the feeling of separation? She's not around her family. It goes on in verse 4. The two sons, this is Killian and Malan, they married Moabite women. One married a woman named Oprah, not the talk show host. Although, Orpah, I'm sorry. And then the other woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, so we we lived for 10 years. Now think about this. 10 years She's spouseless. Ten years of feeling like this. Ten years of going downhill emotionally. And then in verse 5, both Malan and Killian die. Has she lost it all now? Think about that. Think about that place. Maybe you've, maybe you've experienced this. Listen, listen, I'm not here. I'm not here to glorify a bad past. But I'm telling you, I want you to look in this story. I want you to put yourself in this story and realize how the story ends. So now she's without the husband. She's without her two sons. This left Naomi, goes on in five, this left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. Family life has been broken. In 2015, that would be an understatement to some people. Families break. Things break hurt but this has been broken by death and now a very very scary word to a lot of us sinks in it's called loneliness remember when i ask those people where do you go when things go wrong the very first answer the number one top answer i played family feud this week with people they didn't know it but the number one top answer was i I just want to be alone it's the worst place to go Oh, there's times you need to go and just chill and hang out. I get it. But not to stay there. Because when we're left alone, often we stay at the pity party and we don't leave. And the more you tell yourself that story, see, I know how these stories go. Here's an analogy. My grandpa used to be a pastor at a small country church over in Edwards County. Across the street, and it's in the country, so across the road, (laughs) through the field and over the fence, there was a pond. And I caught a, a largemouth bass that was about this long. Now by the time I got to the house, that fish had somehow borderline pushed the state record. We're talking about a four or five ounce fish. And by the time I walked back across the field, hopped the fence, and across the field and crossed the road, that fish had grown by pounds. 
When we are left to ourselves and we keep telling ourselves that story, something that's very minuscule, something that God can just handle, we keep telling ourselves and telling ourselves and telling ourselves, if your story is that little fish, it doesn't take it very long to get like this. And then when it gets this big, we have to tell everyone about it and not go to the person that can take care of it. Look at with me at, at verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the, that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughter-in-laws got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. Okay, the famine's gone. Listen, we read about famines. Droughts are bad. Two or three years ago, I didn't mow my yard for like a month. And to some of you, that's like a hallelujah time. I enjoy mowing my yard. But my, my yard would like, it, it was like opening up. Like it was, the, the, the ground was cracking from being so dry. So Israel, they, they hear about the Israel's got crops again. There were, there were famines that lasted for years. Israel's got crops again. Let's go back home. Listen, I don't have anybody here. Let's go back home. In verse 7, with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. The, the daughters-in-laws did not leave her. Okay, They helped take care of her. They all three had lost their spouse. So now they took care of each other. So they all head back to get the good food. And Naomi stops and says, no, you guys need to go back. And she explains it in verse 9. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. And she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. See, widows were treated very poorly in these times. But even in the time that Naomi is going through, she tries, she tries to give them hope for a future. She goes on to explain that in a little bit. But she considers the needs of others above her own. She's giving them an opportunity. Now, she doesn't always think like this through the story because it doesn't take very long until you switch your attitude, as we're going to see. So she kissed him goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. Look at verse 10. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters. Return to your parents' homes, for I am too, young, I'm too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not. My daughters, things are far more bitter for me than for you. Here we go, time out. You see that? She was putting them above herself, and all of a sudden... Switch. This is what she says. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Where do you go when things go wrong? She was going to go back to her homeland, back to her family. She gave her daughter-in-laws, listen, just, just go back. I want you guys, to, I want you guys to, to have a life. And all of a sudden her attitude goes back to epic story time. She goes, I just want to be lonely. I just want to do this. And it says, things are far more bitter for me. She's feeling like this. Where's God? It seems that he doesn't care. Have you ever heard those lines before? Have you ever said those words before? Just this week, God taught me. 
Just this past week, God taught me that he, he said, Matt, I'm not telling you that I heard the audible voice of God, but in my prayer time, in, when I was talking with him, and how I got to realize the things that he had worked through this week, he says, Matt, there is nothing, there is not anything in this world that I can't work to the better of me. There is nothing that I can't get glory out of. And I said, God, I don't know about this one. It took him about 14 hours. It wasn't automatic. It was me being patient, me seeking him, saying, God, I need this. I trust God, you can do this. I can't. I can't do it. You can, though. We are so beyond negative, aren't we? If something, and oftentimes it's one thing, and it's a little thing. When one thing, maybe you're having that perfect day. Oh yeah, or a good, just a good day. And that one little thing goes wrong, you blow a gasket, don't you? flat tire (laughs) what is wrong god where you at have a flat tire really i follow you see too often we just negative 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 and guess what even if you have an aired up spare and somebody stops to help you the next time that you stop you're going to get out of that car well i just had a flat tire today never mind the raise that you got last week never mind the meal that you got to eat this morning See, we are so beyond negative, and, and she's doing the same thing. Listen, that battle that you're going through is what she's going through right now. You have the option to tell epic stories or say, you know, Grandpa, that fish wasn't this big. It was more like this. But I wish it was this big. Sometimes we tell our epic stories, and they, they, we think that they're this big, and they're really here. Everybody has stuff. One thing can go wrong, we go crazy, we start blaming God for not being there. This is a question that I asked myself this week as I was studying, going back over this. When I said, one thing can go wrong, we blow a gasket. Why do I do that? Because anger is one of my life issues that I work on at Celebrate Recovery. Oh, Matt, you're always happy. You don't know me. I get mad, I'm sorry. I do, but I'm working on it, I'm getting better. Amen? Guess why? The battle's already won. I've got to put my trust, I've got I to turn my life over. God, I'm sorry I did this. And he tells me this. This week I said, God, I'm so sorry. It seems like I could have a great week and one thing goes wrong and I just lose it. And then I tend to want to think, where are you at? And the number one thing that God spoke to me this week and he said, he says this, who do you think you are? What gives you any type of ability to have an attitude towards me like that? Did you not wake up today? Did you not start your truck? Did you not get to enjoy some time of sunshine? Did you not get to see your kids? Did you not get to kiss them on the forehead and have them run to you and give you a hug? And yet when this thing goes wrong, you ask where I am? Man, I'm in everything. Stop focusing on the dot. Look at the paper. He goes on in 14. 
And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. You like those friends? Some of us wish we had them. They're here. Look at verse 15. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same thing. Notice she said back to her gods. Now we're going to see why Ruth wants to hang on. Look 16. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Ruth was a Moabite, a Moabite woman. But she served the one true God. She knew where truth was. Hello, and my name is Ruth. And I'm a child of the one true king. I just sung a long time ago. Look at verse Look at verse 17. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. We continue with the story. Verse 19. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Is she back? Wow, we got food, and now Naomi comes back. Watch your attitude. Listen, it had been so good. Daughters, I'm choosing your relationships over mine. I'm choosing the better, betterment for other people. Now go. And in a split second, she turns about, woe is me. And she gets to come home. She's coming home. Coming home. You know what it's, you remember what it's like to come home? I'm sure that you didn't do this, but maybe the speedometer went a little bit faster when you got closer to home. I just want to get there. If you don't think home, how about this? Anybody goes camping at Wren Lake? I bet you, unless you're pulling the camper, speed lim- or the speedometer goes a little bit quicker when you get there. And it's a little bit slower when you come home. We want to get there. Naomi came home. There were people that were excited to see her. And in verse 20, she just drops a bombshell on him. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. Do you see this? She's coming home. She's home. For so long she had been away from home and she gets to come home and live. Naomi, we're so glad. Don't call me Naomi. Instead, insert epic story. The Almighty has made life very bitter for me. She can't do what Anna and Elsa do. Let it go. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, I cannot believe you, you relate, let it go to the story of Ruth and Naomi because it's such a great story. Let me tell you something. There is a whole lot of truth in those three words. Let it go. There's forgiveness. There may be the admittance that you were wrong. Laying down of pride. She instantly, Naomi comes back and she says, no, no, no. My life has been too hard. My life is very bitter for me. Yes, there are things that happen. Here's the deal. This is the quote that you've heard again from me. You are not responsible 
you are not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you. There's abuse that happens. It's not right. There are other things that are happened that are not your fault. If your mom and dad got a divorce, it's not your fault. You are not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you. But God's word says, as a follower of Jesus, you're responsible for 100% of the, of the ways that you react to that situation. Oh, it's easy to tell epic stories. Oh, listen to me. Hey, listen, dude. You got, you got about three hours? I got a story. How my life is so bad. I'm not saying that I've never done this. I'm just saying, hey, this is a wake-up call. The fish goes the other way. Your epic story needs to go the other way. It's okay to go to the pity party, no one to leave. Verse 21. She begins the epic story. Watch. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy on me? She can't let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now this is a big deal. You know why? Because barley is going to come into play. Look at your worship handout with me. this, This feeling of bitterness is something that's very, very real. Very, very real. It's easy to become bitter. It's easy to become... Did you see... In high school, this was the way that you could get bitter at someone. Now, where I grew up, we had about a three-mile-long, two-lane road that you go to one end of the town, turn around, and turn all the way back, and you go to the river, and you turn all the way around, and you go, and just for hours. Just cruise for hours. And this is the way that you became bitter. Maybe your week was going along great. Maybe a guy broke up with a girl. Maybe you started to date her. You know, that's bitterness in high school. And you're driving, which, right or left hand, whichever one you want to look cool. And you're driving down that road, and that buddy comes by you. And you're like, however you wave. The cool people are like. My father-in-law waves like this. He does a great big gas truck. But you wave at your buddy like, what's up? And he's over there, does this. No wave. Instant bitterness. Oh, he doesn't like me anymore. Oh, what's up with that? Oh, we're going to we're gonna have to talk this out in the parking lot. Unless your buddy's bigger than you. Then you stay in the car, roll down the window a little bit, lock the door. Some of you are laughing because you've done that. But it says this, do you know this feeling of bitterness? Listen, everybody's not getting along with me. What did I do that nobody's waving at me on the street? Are you kidding me? Think about how, how pity, just, just how petty this is. They didn't wave at me on the high school cruise route, so I get upset. I get home. Dad goes, my dad would say, that. what's your problem? I said, Jay doesn't wave at me today. Why? I don't know. Knowing in my head exactly why. I said, by the way, I'm going to go Friday. I'm going to go out with, uh, with so-and-so. We're going to go to the movies. My dad takes a little step back. He goes, well, didn't Jay used to date so-and-so? 
Yeah? Why do you think he's bitter? Let's do, the, let's do, let's do relationship math. Him and her were together, minus her, add you, not him, bitterness. You're not going to exchange Christmas cards for about two weeks, okay? There's not, they're not going to be this. Whatever, however you wave. We had a guy that rode a motorcycle. It was really cool. Just hang out like this. And he's, ooh. He was really cool. But this bitterness, during these times, look at your worship handout. During these times, it's easy to ask the question, like, why me? And is there any hope? Listen, I've, I found myself oftentimes in high school, oftentimes in life doing this. God, I was just going along in life, minding my own business. And now I have bitterness because this person was mean to me. If you have children, you understand that bitterness starts at a very, 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 very early age. I have nieces. They can argue with each other. They're young. And then we think, oh, we're just going to grow out of this. This is just a phase. If you're going through work, Maybe you have a, you're in a relationship with your husband or a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, and they do something. Where's God? Why me? Is there any hope? Listen, do you think that you think that Naomi could ask these questions? Yeah, she did. That's why she's not happy. God, where are you at? I saw a, I saw a post on Facebook this week that I could not read without becoming extremely emotional. My friend that was killed a couple months ago, flying his ultralight plane, his wife, I told you this would happen. He'd go back in the archive messages online, and I told you this would happen. Aaron gets on Facebook, and she shares these things from, from a military, on Memorial Day, from a military widow. She lost, she lost her husband in war, as we remember that this week. And she said, this is so good. It has so much, watch this, two months this has so much healing. God is so good. She lost a husband that was my age. He's a year older. He was 36 years old, four kids, all under the age of eight. And in two months, God changes the way that she thinks and said, you know what? There are things that happen, but Aaron, I'm still here. I'm still God. Is there any hope? Oh, you bet. But there's going to be days that are hard. So why me? Is there any hope? When things are tough and the outlook was bleak, Ruth steps up. The daughter-in-law steps up. That's acting responsibly. Now, irresponsibly is this. Acting irresponsibly when we feel bitterness only adds to our difficulties. Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. Let me tell you. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many world problems have you ever seen solved on Facebook? How many families of, of kids that need food have ever been solved on Twitter? Now, there might be some things like that. But the thing, see, the thing, the thing is, we want to just, just blast, don't we? Somebody makes me mad? Mm-mm. Get them. Get them. Conduct yourself responsibly. We see that happen in chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 1 with me. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, 
who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Okay, so now she moves back. Listen, she's moving back to her family. We've had, we've had some people here that they got to the age of retirement. Maybe they lost a spouse and they moved back with their family. And they would say this, oh, it's going to be sad to not be around you, but I get to move back to my family. I get to be around my family. Naomi's excuse me, having this happen, and she's still bummed. Because, woe is me. You don't have it as bad as me. You don't understand it. Listen, there are people that understand in this world what you're going through right now. And the cool thing about connection is this. When you walk through the door, you are in a building. You are in a place where people can be transparent with you. People come up to me, ask me about certain things. I say, hey, I got a person that you need to talk to. This is what, this is what Naomi needs, but it's not there yet. Look at verse 2. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Responsible. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, and go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Limelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. He said, the Lord bless you. Now, she is not just in a field. This goes way beyond this. It goes way deeper than this. If you just read this, you just lose it. Ruth, who was a follower, went to seek out other followers to work with. If you don't see that, you're going to miss it. Ruth surround herself with the right people. What we want to do sometimes is we say, oh, this happens to me. I'm going to hang around people that are going to listen to me. I don't want to hang around people that are going to give me advice and love me. I want to hang around the people that are going to listen to my epic story. I want to, I'm going to hang around the people that are going to fuel my fire. You know what that's like? I do too. Ruth kept herself close to God's people. When things go wrong, the first thing we do is we shun God. We shun the church. We shun the Bible. We shun God's people. And we even shun God. Because we are stuck up in the lie that we believe for so long that after we become a follower, it's going to be a cakewalk. That is one of the biggest lies ever. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells the followers, pick up your cross and follow me. Those people understood what a wooden cross was used for. Eleven of the twelve lost their life because they served God and the people in this world did not like them doing it, so they killed them. Many more were martyred for their faith. It's not going away. It happens today. Currently, it's not happening right here. But, but Ruth chose to be with these people. But when things go wrong, do you think it's fun being Ruth? Listen, listen. Have you ever been around somebody that's completely negative all the time? Oh, just a joy. Oh, thank you for being so negative. I love, this is so good. This is so good. I don't know of any retreats. I don't know of any conferences. I don't know of any leadership groups that you can go to and they do 100% negative. No. 
You go to a worship conference, it's all about teaching. You go to a leadership conference, it's all about how you can apply what you know, how you can lead people. It's not negative. And in fact, it says, we're going to teach you how to do away with negativity. One of the ways that I get out of my negative attitude, and please don't avoid me if you hear me doing this, I'm not in a bad mood, but I found that if I whistle, I can't really stay in a bad mood very long. I don't know what your thing is. So if you hear me whistling, realize I'm not in that bad of a mood, I'm just trying to chill out, you can still talk to me. Some of you are going to claim, oh, you were whistling, I'm not talking to you. Listen, so often we want to say something, something goes wrong. See, I told you, God, you don't even love me. Ask yourself the question that I had to ask myself this week. What kind of position are you in to ask God that question? Well, how selfish are you? How selfish was I? If you have a problem with your vehicle and you are as inclined mechanically as I am, you take it to someone else. If your car has trouble, you get it fixed. If you have medical trouble, some of us like, like to do WebMD. WebMD will scare you to death, by the way. If you have a medical problem, you go to the doctor. When a person has a trouble with God, go to a place where God's people are at. And sometimes we want to do the automatic reverse of it. Something bad happens. I'm blaming you, God. I'm not going to be at church. See you later. We want to be at church. We want to take ourselves out of Connect Group. We don't want to come to Connect Group. Listen, if you have missed Connect Group the last two months, you are missing it. They're awesome. We're studying some really cool stuff, the thread of atonement throughout the whole entire Bible. What's that? Come and see. It's, all, it's fun. It's awesome. I get to hang out with people that I don't get to see other than usually Sunday. We're a little family. It's fun. They teach me. I hopefully teach them something, what we learn from each other. And oftentimes I've found this. The times that I don't want to go are the times that I need to go. The times that, the times that I think, oh, I could be doing so many other things, but no, that's my responsibility, and I go, that's when most of the time God really shows up and He really talks to me. Look at verse 5 in chapter 2. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? Now, asking if it was a slave, okay? And the foreman replied in verse 6, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. She's a hard worker. Why? She's blessed to be in the field picking up grain. Thank you, God, for giving me this opportunity to go behind the people that have already picked it, to go walk through their mess, to walk up through their stuff, but just so I can grab some grain. Thank you, God. And she works hard all day long. All day. Says she's been at hard work ever since. Look at verse 8. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. 
I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Now, you don't even understand at those privileges. People think, oh, good, she's taken care of. No. No, 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 no. He says, you don't need to go anywhere else. I'm going to provide for you. God said, you take care of her, Boaz. Take care of her. Verse 10. When's the last time that you did this? Now listen, I'm going to tell you what she's thanking him for. She's thanking him for literally a drink of water and to walk behind the harvesters and pick up enough grain to survive. She's not getting $100 bills. She's not getting gold. She's getting food. And she does this. This is literally like me and you going out, starting our car this morning, And I assume most of them work. And she does this. Look at verse 10. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Do you realize what kind of attitude mentally you have to have to have this kind of thankfulness? Can you imagine what Boaz felt? What are you doing? I told you you could pick up grain. told you you could have some water. And now you're at my feet. What are you doing? She comes up with this question, what have I done to deserve such kindness? I found myself this week, I found myself this week going through some times that were not fun to go through. And I found that it was often the very, very, very small things. I said, God, I don't even why I deserve, I don't. (laughs) I don't deserve this, but thank you. Thank you that I got to watch the sun come up. I know some of you, that's a curse, but I I like it. Thank you that I got to see the sun come up. Thank you that I got to be in a meeting with people that are just hungry to find out what you have for their life. But God, I'm only a foreigner. (laughs) How can you love me this much? Ruth Ruth asked, what have I done to deserve this kindness? Look back at verse 12. or Look at verse 12 with me. This response to her question. May the Lord, the God, of it, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. You ever seen what a chicken does? Put up the wings, and get the little chicks in, and they, hover, they, they hide them. Boaz is making a reference to that. He says, listen, God bless you. In a little bit, I'm going to hand out some, some bags, and they're filled with American cash. And we're going to go give them away. Why? To show people that God is in the business of taking care of those people. We as a church seek to be relational with them, to meet needs. That's why we give away turkeys and we give away hams and we give away fuel. People saying, why? I get asked this, Matt, why are you in your church giving all of this stuff away? We have to. We have to meet their needs. We have to be involved with them. We have to be relational with them. We have to be relevant with them. Where do you go when things go wrong? Ruth chose to get with God's people, to get with a man of God like Boaz in his field, and to work hard and to be thankful for the little bitty things. Where do you go when things go wrong? 
Look at the last blank in your worship handout with me. It says, when trouble comes to the life of many, they lose confidence that God is there and he will provide. Listen, it doesn't take that big of a trouble. It doesn't take that big of a thing. Yes, I understand what it's like to be human. Yes, I understand what trouble looks like when it comes into your life. But here's the deal. When trouble comes to the life of many, they lose confidence that God is there and he will provide. They do this. I'm blaming you, God. I'm not going to ask you for anything. I'm just blaming you. If that's resounding with you, if you think, man, I've been in addiction for so long, I'm losing confidence that God's even there. Let me tell you something. Friday night, 645, come here to the church. There's a group of us that meet for Celebrate Recovery, and I can tell you right now that I've seen people five years ago that weren't like this, but they're now chip carriers, coin carriers. And if you don't know what that is, you may not be involved with CR, but they're finding months Weeks, hours, years of victory over their issue. See, when that trouble comes, they chose not to blame God because oftentimes we're in that trouble because we choose it. We don't ever want to admit that, do we? Oh, I didn't choose it. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. Look at verse 12 again. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. May He reward you fully for what you've done. You can't outgive God. God, I have trouble in my life. You know what? It, you know what it becomes when that little trouble comes into your life, and you and you and you learn instead of going where people will listen to you and going where people can help you. Or you go to God who can help you. When you start doing that with the little things, guess what? When the, th- when the things that come in your life rock you, when the big things, guess where you go? Where you found the victory over them the first time. I talk about my friend, I talk about my friend Aaron. Why don't you think about that? She's now the encourager. She's going to write a book. I promise. She will someday. I promise. God is just involved in her life and as a result of her living like that and not blaming God, not understanding fully. She does not understand. And I don't know that anyone would. But she said, God, you have a plan for me. I'll work hard at this life. I'll do what you want me to do. And as a result of that, God is choosing to heal. And those people in this room that understand what that healing is, Understand that it's real, number one. It's very, very real. So as we remember today, this weekend, what has been done for us in our country, I hope that you remember the story of Ruth. I hope that you remember that she knew where to go when things went wrong. We're not always going to pick the right place. But it's how fast you recognize that you're in the wrong place to get back where you're supposed to be is the important thing. We have the Touch Someone's Life gift offering. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know. You guys are just awesome. I'm going to do something a little bit different than I haven't done before. And we have a 4.30 service too. We don't do this offering in the 4.30 service, so I'm going to take one of these and I'm going to give it away at the 4.30 service. And let somebody else do this. Um, how about Amanda Wheeler? This is where everybody gets nervous. If you're a visitor, this is where everybody gets really nervous. Oh, is he going to call me? Oh. I don't, I don't see her. Could you give this to, to Bev Chapman? Did you give that to her? Did you come up and give that? I asked her if you were here last, last month. I asked her, man, she came running down like it was a price is right. And, I, and she had put her hand up, and I had picked somebody else around her. So I'm going to give that to her. But guys, let me tell you something. That was $311. <laughs> There's $80 in checks. God is good. All the time. Whatever situation you're going through, whatever behavior, whatever attitude, whatever loss, whatever sin has come in and is affecting your life, I want to tell you one thing. Please, please, please understand. The battle is raging on right now in some of our lives really bad. But the battle is already taken care of. Victory is God's. Already done it. He's already conquered death. If he can conquer death, he can conquer anything. Your struggle wherever you are in life, your struggle with whoever, whatever, choose who to follow. When things go wrong, where do you go? I hope that question resonates in our head this week. Where do you go when things go wrong? Maybe we need to look at our choices of what we choose so often. Maybe we need to change. God can handle it. Go to Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for today. Thank You for this absolutely awesome, beautiful, sunny day. We get to celebrate this glorious, glorious weekend. God, we thank You for the people that are serving in our military, the people that have currently served. God, the people that have died to give us the freedoms that we have today. We thank you. God, as important as Memorial Day is to remember, we thank you for that. God, let us remember the total and ultimate sacrifice that you gave us in your son Jesus, who died for every single one of our sins so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can go to him when things don't go right. In your name we pray. Amen.